1: Uh, hold on it looks like yeah we're live all right all right we, we've got our stream issues fixed here so uh, thank you everyone for tuning in here on a Thursday night me and Pete have had about uh, about two takes already on the show so uh, this is this is what live streaming is all about here so welcome to the also MMA made DFS strategy show for UFC 261 of course our sponsor by monkey knife fight pita third time's charm here uh opening question roster construction with the title fights and using Fantasy cruncher and groups with these three title fights
2: what's going on everybody thanks for joining us um i definitely think like you know roster construction for this event because there's 13 fights and three title fights you have to prioritize the title fights right like i feel like you have to touch on at least two in your lineups and set groups on fantasy cruncher over on awesome i think it's an awesome tool no pun intended to to use in order to get unique. Um, what I like to do is, for me, I like to take into consideration fight footage, um, you know, maybe even odds, what I'm seeing, my gut, and then I will lean one way or another, and I will make some groups with. Let's say I liked all the favorites in the title fights, I would set a group for you know all three of those uh, favorites in the title fights, and tell my lineups to get at least two of them. Now, if I wanted to get different and get unique, depending on the contest, if it's a 150 max, I have to get different. So say I wanted, you know, two of the fights and I would say, let's go, I got to get at least two of these six fighters and I will mix and match my lineups. But it's all based on, you know, what you can afford, what you're willing to risk and also the the contest. So 150 maxes are completely different from 20 entries, but I will say prioritize the title fights for sure.
1: Also, this is a little hat tip. If you are a newer DFS player and you are turning in and maybe you start playing on DraftKings, when you get those tickets on DraftKings, enter in those contests on NBA to win tickets. Because that's what I do. I've won a couple of tickets for the big GPP on Saturday. So uh, actually, I have not started hand-building lamps quite yet, but uh, I was texting Pete earlier today. I really do believe a pop trio when people are – Putting together fighters in the main event will be Kamar Usman, Rose Nama Yunus, and Valentina Shevchenko. Now, here's a question: What about the thought process of not rostering a fighter in the main event? I, I think it's going to it's going to separate yourself from the field.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. Right, like I feel like everybody's going to do the box score watching and see how the last fight played out, Kamar Usman really exploded onto the scene with his performance over Jorge Masvidal. Uh, you know, he talked about takedowns, tons of control time. My, my thinking on, the, on that fight would be like, maybe Masvidal's takedown defense is really on point. And he's able to stifle the wrestling of Kamar Usman and it's mainly held up against the cage, a lot of control time against the cage, maybe not accruing enough points, you know, to justify his salary. But for me, I really like Kamar Usman in the fight. Um, outside of getting caught with a lucky shot i really feel like he's a you know a, a strong play but get you know avoiding the main event would definitely get you different and uh picking the right side on the other two title fights would definitely uh, shoot you up the rankings
1: yeah i just i feel it is if kamar usman wins I, I feel it it's a very low probability that he's not optimal so uh, you know, if you're not putting Kamar Usman in your lineup, that that has got to be your prayer, uh, to take down one of these big GPPs. Of course, appreciate uh, everyone in here on a Thursday. Do want to let you know about free, premium data and tools we have over at awesomeo.com. You can check out the MMA fighter ranking, so be sure to check out that as you are developing your lineups here for UFC 261. Of course, if there's ever a time that you're unable to watch this show live right here on YouTube, you can't catch it. A part of the awesome. Podcast network, just go to osmo.com slash podcast and uh, be sure to hit that also MMA podcast, hit that five star rating and review to help us out. And of course, uh, be sure when you leave that five star rating to leave your Twitter handle or email address for your chance to be eligible to win a free week of also plus platinum. One winner will be awarded every Friday, and reviews will be eligible to win for up to one year. So let's get right into the main event rematch between Kamara Usman and Jorge Masvidal. And I said this on my podcast last night. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be tuning in on Saturday night that want to see a baptism of Kamaru Usman by Jorge Masvidal. I mean, look, Masvidal, clearly a puncher's chance. Now, when you look back at the stats from their first meeting, it's crazy the output that Kamar Usman had in this one. Two hundred and sixty-three total strikes landed; ninety-four of those were significant, and he was five of sixteen in takedowns. Now, I think that's a, a critical number when we're talking about the Fanduel side of the equation. If you do want to play Fanduel and potentially a Jorge Maslow at sixteen dollars, potentially maybe if you're you know looking to you know hammer one of these underdogs there he could be able to rack up some points with with takedown defenses um i think that really the question pete becomes here is how how does jorge masvidal get it done i think a key to jorge masvidal getting his job done is leg kicks where he doesn't get taken down
2: yeah it's interesting i I do think that jorge masvidal has a you know more than a puncher's chance but a lot of people are just saying a puncher's chance because they think that kamar Usman is just so skilled in all departments especially the wrestling Um, You know, in his previous bout against Gilbert Burns, you've got to see him showcase his boxing. Now, what happens a lot is fighters start to fall in love with their hands and they get away from their strengths. And I do wonder, training under Trevor Whitman, if Kamar Usman's really kind of just admiring his work in the octagon and is going to try to strike a little too much in this fight. But if he goes back to the takedown well and, you know, the rinse and repeat strategy of taking Masvidal down, making him work, tiring him out throughout five rounds... I think that he can definitely, you know, break the slate. So I am leaning Kamara Usman still in the rematch, but I do think that a full camp Jorge Masvidal will be better than a, a you know, a short notice step in Jorge Masvidal. I mean, he's going to be in better shape, well-prepared, um, you know, probably have some answers for some takedowns, but I do feel like there is a skill gap between them as far as putting it all together. And I think that Jorge Masvidal, you know, if you look at his resume experience speaks for itself, but I don't really love this stylistic matchup against Kamaru Usman, right? Like, I feel like his kryptonite is facing guys that can really just nullify his, his striking by taking him down, putting him on his back. So I still favor Kamaru, Kamaru Usman. Um, of the underdogs in the title fights, I'm not in love with Masvidal. at uh, all. You know, at his salary, of course, if he wins, he's going to break the slate. But I, I do feel like there are some underdogs in the other title fights that could come through.
1: Yeah, any of these Hunter Dogs, if they come in, they're, they're going to be awful just because of their salary. And we're going to talk about Rose uh, here in a minute because that's something I do want to talk to you about. I uh, mentioned some questions that we got in on Twitter earlier from Hunter. He said a question to each of you. Do you think Usman stays true to his word, or is he just blowing hot air again when he says he intends to strike and seek the knockout? I don't believe him.
2: If, if so, that's dangerous, right? Like that's, you know, you're playing with fire because Jorge Masvidal has put a lot of people away um, and he can definitely catch with, with, you know, a fast shot that you're not expecting, take advantage of you maybe overextending on a shot. Um, Kamar Usman did get rocked in his previous bout against Gilbert Burns. So let's not forget about that. So I do think that Jorge Masvidal can even win rounds here. Like I, I'm not expecting it to be a flawless performance from Kamar Usman because I think that Masvidal will win the striking rounds, or not all of them, but some of them. I think it's going to be like a, you know, maybe four rounds to one or three rounds to two. But Kamar Usman should resort to takedowns to really solidify rounds.
1: Yeah, uh, here's another question uh, that came in from Hunter. He said uh, he goes given below. Does Pete, a fighter, feel the turnaround is too quick? And it was a quoted tweet from Mark Ramondi where uh, Romani says in a story Usman revealed shortly after his win over uh, last year he was hospi- hospitalized with a severe bout of COVID-19 and lost 17 pounds in eight days
2: I mean not fought like, since then yeah I mean not re- I'm not really right like I, I'm not really worried about that um Granted, there's tons of X factors when you go into a fight that we can't really take into consideration because we're not that person. We don't know. We don't know what's going on in their headspace, whether their mind's focused on the fight, they have distractions, um, whether they're battling an illness, an injury. Those are things outside of our control. But um, I would say no, I would be more worried from a technical aspect or, you know, of him maybe getting caught with that big shot from Gilbert Burns than I would about an illness several months ago.
1: Of course, uh, appreciate you, everyone that's in here on a Thursday evening. Of course, uh, if you're not subscribed to Osmo on YouTube, be sure to do that. We have great shows each and every day. Here's a little teaser for you. You're getting another dose of me and Pete tomorrow as we've got a special Monkey Knife Fight show coming for you. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow after the MLB show. That'll be on at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, you get a triple dose of myself and Pete this week for UFC 261 uh and of course uh, we do got that great promo going on over at osmo.com get 50% off a also plus ma monthly pass 14.98 you got to take advantage of that cuz not only does that get you for UFC 261, it's going to get you for next month's pay per view as well. So you got to take advantage of that deal—an awesome deal we got going over there. Uh, you know, one of the things of the, that's a part of our premium package is that Top Fighter tool. It's a great tool to use that Alex puts together. Obviously, you can compare ownership, but also that top six percentage is is one of the tools that I really like to use over there. So be sure to take advantage of that. All you got to do is use the promo code UFC. 261 if you don't enter that promo code you're not gonna get the discount so be sure to enter that promo code UFC 261 let's move on to the co-main event it is the defending champion Whaley Zhang defending her title against the former champion in Rose Nam Yunus Pete everything about this fight had really has not been about their actual abilities it's been about the comments made by Rose Nam Yunus over the past couple days and I saw um this comment in our Slack account earlier today, and I want to pull it up, and, and I, I I thought it was a really good uh, comment about this matchup, um, and actually sent it to Pete a little bit earlier uh, in terms of the volume aspect of this fight, and you know potentially going five rounds, and could Rose Namajunas really be, you know, our best play as a underdog in these title fights?
2: Yeah, I, I think out of the three championship fights. I think that Rose Nama Yunus is my favorite underdog. I really do. And I think that's going to be a common stance. And the reason I think that Rose Nama Yunus is a nice underdog is because of what she's done. She was already a champ. She's had, you know, you know, high caliber opponents facing across from her throughout her UFC career. She's faced adversity, um, you know, and I think that she could actually bring a new, let's say strategy against Li Zhang, like on the outside, I do think that she can, you know, work her excellent boxing and her crisp uh, striking. But I do feel like we haven't seen Wei Jang get tested in the grappling department as far as defending takedowns. Now, it's hard to really think of Rose Namu the grappler. But if you really, like, think back on the ultimate fighter, even in some of her previous bouts, you know, even uh, against uh, Paige Van Zandt, uh, obviously that's the, the skill gap is completely different. Wei Jang against Paige Van Zandt. But it showed the potential of the grappling route for Rose Namunas. Now, her volume for striking isn't really the best. She's more of a sniper on the outside. So I understand if you're hesitant about plugging her in your lineup. Yes, it's an appealing salary. But it's like, okay, like if she wins a decision, does it even really matter? Does she even pay off? I think that she can because I think that she's going to look to secure takedowns, uh, maybe even test cardio uh, try to back her up a little bit it's not an easy fight by any means but I do think that uh, uh, you know Weiley Zhang is extremely talented but I think that Rose Nama is really really talented as well and I, I like her in the matchup and I'm actually siding with Rose Nama Yunus in the, in the fight to be honest um, I have a feeling that she gets her down and tests her submission abilities
1: That's got that to me is a question mark. Can Rose get down there and can this become a little bit of a submission game? Now, if you want to look back at Rose in her five-round fight against Joanna, of course, this was the second time they fought each other. In that matchup, Rose landed 108 total strikes and 105 significant strikes. She did have one takedown, as I recall, I believe her DraftKings score. Uh, was 104. I believe that's that's the number I sent over to you earlier today. And, and I'll mention this question over in our Slack channel. Uh, CR Counts asked this, and, and I think it's a good kind of fight to talk about this. He goes, possibly a broader DraftKings question, looking back at the scoring changes for DraftKings. What's been the biggest takeaways and have salaries started to reflect that at all? I don't think salaries have really reflected that. I mean, to me, the biggest takeaway is, like, this fight, for example, if it is all striking, and let's just say they, they, you know, your your total strikes and your significant strikes match up exactly. So you're talking point eight points, you know, per strike. There, you know, I, I, you know, if you, I think if you're a Rose backer, if she wins, because that's sorry, it's going to help you out. Uh, but if you're a, a Wiley Zhang backer and it's all striking, no knockdown, she doesn't get a finish, I don't know if she's optimal.
2: Yeah, it's not like you know, the DraftKings is the DraftKings system is bumping up grapplers. It's not like if Habib, you know, was out there and for some reason was only like a minus 150 favorite and they put a 10,000 price tag on him because they know his style of how he likes to, you know, take people down, maul with control time, relentless takedowns, ground and pound, so on and so forth. We're getting just a direct, you know, uh, relation between the odds into the salaries. And, and that's where you can find spots to target you find nice, you know, mismatches or even mispriced fighters, whether they're too high or, you know, undervalued. And that's where you can take advantage of the system for sure.
1: Uh, looking over on the FanDuel side of the equation here, $21 for Wei Lee, $17 for Rose over on Super Draft. Maybe um, if you want to take Rose Nami as a champion, 2.2 times as a multiplier's champion, 1.445 times in your flex spot. If maybe you want to go Lee as your champion, one 7-5. Uh, I, I just, I feel like the co-main event will be a very popular fight when we look at ownership.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. And trust me, I love Wei Li Zhang. But when you're looking at, you know, DraftKings and you're trying to get different, you have to try to pick your spots of where you're going to get different and, you know, kind of like increase the likelihood of it happening. And I do think that a fighter of Rose Namunas' caliber can really, you know, showcase some skills. Could be a close fight, could be back and forth could not even be a decisive fight, but I I will have plenty of Rose Namajunas exposure, but I would also recommend, you know, uh, making sure that you get some uh, Weili Zhang as well.
1: Just saying, when you sign up for that uh, promo we got going on, you get ownership projections, so you can see it there, you know, because one of the things I always say when I look at ownership projections, I'm looking for fighters under 20%. Yeah,
2: for sure. And then if you like the matchup, you hammer it.
1: Yeah. I missed this question from uh, Miles. He says... Should we be looking for stacks for fighters from the same country Jim, Malcoon and Whitaker last week as an example?
2: It's a good, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I usually like to back, you know, gyms, not, not always. It's not like a, uh, a steady thing for me to do. It's not like, Oh my God, American top teams on their roster. Every, every fighter from American top team or city kickboxing, but I do like it when a whole team or multiple members are fighting on the same card because it means that they you know have prepared for it together um they've been around each other a lot but i mean it's kind of a fighting's an individual sport when once the cage door locks. so none of that really matters
1: yeah it's something to uh pay attention to there of course uh you, when you talk about uh, rose Namius and kamaru Usman, both both trained by trevor whitman so there's Something you kind of put together between those two as we go into it. Now, of course, our third title fight is Valentin Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade Shevchenko. 9,500 over on DraftKings, 6,700 for the challenger here. And uh, Shevchenko, a a 4.5-1 to betting favorite in this one. But one of the things we've seen with Shevchenko is more of a a, a grappling we've seen in our past couple of fights.
2: Yeah, you know, Shevchenko is going to be the matador. Jessica Andrade is going to be the bull. every now and then you get nicked by the bull's horn, but you have to be careful here, Um, you know, paired up against Jessica Andrade. I think that if she connects with the shot, she can wobble you on the feet. If she gets you against the cage, she can lift you over your head, slam you to the mat. But I do feel like, you know, a fighter of Valentina Shevchenko's caliber comes around, you know, once in a very long time. I I really like her. I wish that the, the Nunes fights happened later on in her career so that we could have seen more like, the two icons, you know, at the pinnacle of their career rather than so early. But, um, you know, I, I do think that Valentina Shevchenko can light Jessica and- Andrade up from the outside. Initially, I was worried about the matchup, right, Jason? Because I was thinking about how, uh, you know, Jennifer Maya had success against Shevchenko, how she was able to, you know, put her in some bad spots, really test her will. Then I started to think to myself, like, man, is that a result of Shevchenko just losing a round or two? Or could it have been a result of the smaller cage? Um, you know, now now I'm thinking to myself that I think, I think Shevchenko can really dance around Andraj, pick her apart from the outside. I don't hate Jessica Andraj as far as an underdog. I like her more than I do like Jorge Masvidal. But uh, for me, I think Shevchenko can catch her with a knee, a kick up the middle, um, something that Andraj is not going to see coming.
1: Let me throw a number at you. Let me see if you recognize this number. Six... Point three eight.
2: Yeah, that that is Jessica Andras insane output. Strikes landed per minute. So, um, you know, if you're in front of her, she's landing tons of volume on you, which can result in a ton of points, especially with this the DraftKings scoring system between total strikes and significant strikes. If Shevchenko decides not to move around and she's going to be there and be a be a bag in front of Andras, that volume alone, maybe even on a loss, hard for me to say that a fighter in a loss could pay off more than some other underdogs, but it can happen. I will say Jessica Andraj, her volume striking volume and her three takedowns landed for 15 minutes makes her an appealing target for sure. But I, I like Shevchenko quite a
1: bit. Is Shevchenko an appealing fighter on FanDuel, not just because of the potential of getting the stoppage, but Jessica Andraj is a fighter that we've seen go for a lot of takedowns. <sighs> You know,
2: what I, I, I was thinking about that, but like it's Jessica Andrade's takedown style, right? Like she likes to do a lot of overhead takedowns instead of chain wrestling, um, you know, a lot off of a high crotch, a lot of high C lips, which I think is interesting. I just don't think that she could pull those moves off against Valentina Shevchenko. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see Shevchenko put Andrade on her back and put her in a bad spot and start to punish her from top position.
1: And we should note that Andraj does have a four-inch reach advantage in this fight. I think, in terms of the three title fights, the, the this fight, Shevchenko and Andrade, may be the fight I have the least exposure in terms of these three title fights.
2: It's interesting, right? Like
1: it's a it's a, it's a high price tag for Shevchenko at ninety five hundred. At ninety five hundred, okay. That means I'm spending a hundred dollars more than Kamara Usman. And we know the type of ceiling that Kamara Usman has. If Shevchenko goes out there, she's got, to, I, I need 110, 115, 120 points.
2: You know what? I mean, just cause we haven't seen like Shev, Shevchenko scored well, but we haven't seen her put up a Kamara Usman type of, you know, let's say performance, if you will. I wonder, right? Like, Let's say the Kamaru Usman, Jorge Masvidal fights a lot closer than we think, right? Let's say it comes down to three rounds to two. So now you're getting three successful Kamara Usman rounds versus maybe Shevchenko, five successful rounds. I think that makes it, that argument kind of makes you think like maybe, maybe in some lineups, I will avoid the main event.
1: Because here's the thing. So when you look at the five-round fights that Shevchenko has had as champion, yeah. so first off, you go against Joanna, 89 A- strikes landed, five takedowns. Uh, the next time was against Shevchenko. 42 strikes landed, one takedown. Against Jennifer Meyer the last fight, 62 strikes landed, five takedowns. So I, I think that... If there is a buyer beware on Shevchenko, the concern has to be about volume. And, and if she doesn't have that volume, does the points result come from takedowns?
2: Yeah, I, I think the takedowns could happen. And, I mean, I think Shevchenko is so skilled everywhere. Just do whatever you want, whatever happens naturally. Pick her apart from the outside. You know, Andrade is going to have to close the distance to get close to you in order to, to win. So uh, when she gets close to you, fight for those underhooks, trip her, put her on her back, and start to really dominate her from there.
1: Of course, we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Head over to monkeyknifefight.com, where you are in charge is player props contest over there. And be sure when you sign up, use that promo code AWESOMO for an instant first match deposit up to $100, as I mentioned earlier, tomorrow here on also Myself and Pete, we are going to be breaking down how you play and win over at Monkey Knife Fight. Also, we're going to take you through these five fights that are going to be on pay-per-view. Look at the fancy points and also significant strikes landed to help you win some money there on Monkey Knife Fight. Be sure to use that promo code Awesome when you sign up so you get an instant first match deposit of up to $100. Move on, next, we have got a matchup that is a rematch from back in the day, back in 2010 at Ring of Combat, Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman. Uh, Weidman actually is right now a small betting favorite in this one. Uh, He is now uh, minus 125, plus 105 on Uriah Hall, of course, but when you look at the, the DFS side of this thing, Uriah Hall, 8,300, 7,900 for Chris Weidman. The big story with Chris Wyman is now living in South Carolina, now training at Upstate Karate. Ray Longo did come down for three weeks to help in preparations for this one. Ray Longo will be in his corner on Saturday night there in Jacksonville. But, of course, if you're not familiar, Upstate Karate, that is Steven and Ray Thompson's gym. Um, you know, to me, if you want to be – and I think this is one fight on this card I think is critical – because of the salary, this may be the fight you have to hit on in terms of GPP. If you want to be a Chris Weidenbacker, Pete, it's playing simple. Take him to the ground. Do not stand you with the Hall. On the betting side, though, if you want to look for a little leverage, go your Hall wins in round three. Interesting.
2: Yeah, interesting. I, I'm excited for this fight. Um, I, I do think that it's a sneaky fight to target because of – Chris Weidman's grappling appeal versus Uriah Hall's finishing appeal as far as like knocking people out. Um, I will say that in addition to training with upstate karate, uh, you you can actually see that Weidman's been cross training at Jim O as well. And, uh, Jim O is a, is a nice gym that has some good fighters that can really push Chris Weidman there, um, and get him prepared for the fight. And it's, it's less about Weidman's skill because I feel like he has a lot of skill, um, his striking's kind of been always eh, but I think it's it's more about can his chin hold up. If his chin can hold up, I really like him in this fight. Like I really do. I feel like he can close the gap, test Uriah Halls, you know, take down the fence, rinse and repeat, take him down, take him down, take him down. But I just don't, I can't trust his chin at this point, Jason. He's been knocked out so many times. He's going up against a very, very dangerous counter striker and a guy that if he decided to go first and be the aggressor, I think he could cut through Chris Weidman like a hot knife through butter. I really do. Um, It's just like Chris Weidman can have moments in the fight, but I feel like Uriah Hall, you know, at this point, I trust him more than I do Chris Weidman, but I would recommend guys splitting exposure and uh, having this, you know, this lineup in a decent amount of your, you know, this fight in a decent amount of your lineups. I feel like it's going to, be optimal one way or another. Weidman takes him to takedown city or Uriah Hall, maybe gets a couple knockdowns and, uh, and ultimately a finish.
1: There was a time where Chris Weidman was great. It's been a long time since that. A long time, brother. Been so you're all. talking about, if you want to talk about 2015 defeated Vitor Belfort to retain the UFC middleweight title, since that fight, lost to Luke Rockwell, lost Yolo Romero, lost to Gegard Mousasi, gets a third-round submission against Calvin Gassam, wasn't looking good early on in that fight. Lost to Jacare, lost to Dom Reyes, and then a win against Omari Akhmedov where he was winding down as that fight ended. So this is, you know, I'm not expecting the Chris Weidman of 2013-2014 to walk into the door. The Chris Weidman of 2021 is walking through the door, but, Ryan Hall has always been a guy that he's tough to trust. And sometimes it's, are you going to throw?
2: Yeah. I mean, he kind of does the Tyron Woodley where he just backs himself against the cage and waits for the perfect shot. And sometimes it doesn't happen. I mean, if you think about that Bayvon Lewis fight, that's, that's what happened for the large majority of it. And then he caught him with a, with a shot, knocked him out Uh third round, you know, KO. So I will say that, you know, Chris Weidman to this point, I just can't trust it. Um, You know, it's appealing because of the the grappling and the scoring system. But, uh, you know, I I think that Uriah Hall, you know, is going to capitalize, and especially because Uriah Hall lost the previous fight. Like, he definitely wants to get a victory over Chris Weidman here.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer
0: solitaire, huh?
1: Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
0: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: 2010 is a long time ago, bro. Yeah. Long yeah. time ago. Yep. Yeah. I was still working in terrestrial radio at that point. <laughs> it's a long time. And I haven't worked in terrestrial radio essentially in nine years. Yeah. Long time ago. (laughs) as Tyler's count over there what year that might be. (laughs) Yeah, long long time ago. Um you know, look, I, I like what you said there. Split exposure on this fight. I think that's a good one. There's another fight later on the car I'll talk about where I think it is definitely a fight you have to have. Uh, of course, our opening fight of the main car will be, it's the it's young gun against the veteran. This is classic UFC matchmaking. Anthony Smith taking on Jimmy Crute. Jimmy Crute, a minus 190 betting favorite in this one. Anthony Smith plus 165. So when I first started looking at the salaries uh, on both slates, I just, I looked at it and said, man, is Anthony Smith going to be a popper play? And at the end of the day, once these fights are over, are you going to kick yourself Of Why the hell did I play Anthony Smith? Or yeah. is Anthony Smith going to say, y'all must have forgot?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think this is another pivotal matchup, right? Like I was looking at this, this fight and I'm like, you know what? It could go one of two ways. We've seen Anthony Smith get absolutely beat from pillar to post against Glover to but it's Glover to and look what he's done recently. I mean, his recent hot stretch is amazing, and he's now fighting for the title. So I'm excited to see Jimmy Crute go up against, uh, you know, Anthony Smith here, and you know, Anthony Smith even against Devin Clark, you know, he just has like lapses in fights where he can get absolutely dominated, or like he has like he's foggy while he's in there. Like I don't know, I don't know if he's lethargic at points, but he does have fight ending potential. And, you know, the, the one thing hanging over Jimmy crew is how he lost that fight to circuit Like, you know, you're supposed to be this extremely talented grappler. You, you, you come from a good camp with, you know, great judo, good grappling. He's a, he's just well-rounded. And then you get out scrambled by Misha circuit Cause you got a little too overzealous and you got caught in a submission, a beautiful submission and got tapped out. Anthony Smith is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, I think he forgets that sometimes. We did see it in his previous bout against Devin Clark. Nice triangle. But Jimmy Crute will have the wrestling advantage in this fight. Standing up, I'm interested to see how Jimmy Crute handles some adversity because I do think that despite what Anthony Smith is in 2021, I do think that you know he is surrounded by James Krause. He will have a good strategy. He has decent volume and decent technique. So I'm going to be splitting exposure here, but I, I, I'm definitely favoring Jimmy Crute in the matchup.
1: By the way, our man Tyler in chat, letting us know in 2010, he was in the seventh grade. I feel really old at this point. Damn. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. <laughs> I feel really old, man. I turned, 40, to I, I turned the big 40 this year. So, man, yeah, it makes me feel a little old over here. Uh, I will say this. Anthony Smith, if he can show durability in this matchup. Yeah. Might that might be a live betting type position with him, especially maybe uh Anthony Smith wins in round three. That's an 18 to
2: one line right now. Ooh, I look I like it when you're uh finding these nice little uh these gems for us. But I will I will agree, like this is a big, big step up of competition for Jimmy crew. Let's be real. Um Anthony Smith has 50 fights, he's seen it all. He has some pretty notable wins, pretty notable submissions, pretty notable knockouts, but he was the legend killer for a reason because he was fighting a lot of fighters on their way out of the UFC or at the tail end of their career. Um, I do think that Jimmy Cruz is the real deal. But as far as underdogs, prioritize having Anthony Smith over a lot of other fighters.
1: Before we move on to the next fight, I do got to offer some congratulations to our very own Steve Buzzard who came in tied for first place last week in the big DraftKings GPP. He's a part of that awesome hall of fame. You want to be in the awesome hall of fame, download that avatar, that awesome avatar place in the top three of a contest of over 5,000 entries. Tweet your wins to our Twitter account at Osmo H O F account. And you can win a free one, a free month of also plus platinum. Always love seeing those winners up there as a, uh, I gotta figure out uh, what I, what I'm doing in that that big GPP over on on DraftKings uh, coming on Saturday. I gotta find that I gotta find that right combination. Of course, last week it was about finding that combination of Jacob Malkoon yeah. and not having Drakkar Close or Jeremy Stevens in your lineup. Yeah, I mean there are some
2: situations outside of your control that absolutely stunk, and uh, some of my best lineups that had Jacob Malkoon had Jeremy Stevens in it. So uh, you know, when you're right on one thing, you get kind of you know. One another, but uh, it's going to be different. Is okay with MMA because a lot of people are thinking with logic and not by ownership.
1: Yeah, I will tell you, it was. I did a twenty max last week, and so right when that's canceled, can't change anything out. I put my lineups into Excel spreadsheet, and I just blacked out. Put a black paint brush over <laughs> it, and literally half my lineups were dead. I was like, okay. So now it was like, okay, let me highlight which lineups I've got a full roster in. And that was when I uh, started coming through. I had one lineup going to the main card that was still sitting in good shape because uh, I had Jessica Pena, even though I didn't think Jessica won the fight. I thought Luby Godini has got the win there. But yeah, so those are, you know, you know, when you can, uh, you know, it kind of helps because uh, sometimes I just don't like going on my DraftKings or FanDuel app because I really don't want to see some score sometimes.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's always a bummer when you're at the top at the beginning or, uh, you know, and and then you just start dropping. But that's why, like for me, for, you know, the the title fights, like I think of them and view them as like late night hammers. I want to have exposure to them because I know if, if my lives are still doing well, there's still potential for me to accrue more points.
1: Yeah, and I think especially with this car, with having three uh, five round fights because of three title fights, they could they are definitely fights that you have to look at now. Uh, Our prelim headliner is going to be Alex Cowboy Oliveira and Randy Brown. Randy Brown, 8700 over on the other side, 7500, 16, and 12, uh, respectively, over on FanDuel. What's your take on this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, you got the wild man Cowboy Oliveira who I feel like has fought so much in the UFC and has been one of the most inconsistent fighters in the UFC. Um, You've seen him at times, you know, miss weight uh, fatigue in the octagon um, get put in some bad positions, but he does have some, some decent wins. I mean, a win over uh, Carlos Condit, you know, Will Brooks, who I thought, was going to materialize into more in the UFC, uh, even Max Griffin split decision. But I mean, this is going to be a grinding type of fight you would imagine because both men do enjoy getting into the clinch and mixing it up, uh, you know, going takedown for takedown. Um, and they also love to bomb it on the feet. So um, to this point, right? Like there are just so many things about cowboy Oliveira that I just can't trust as far as his cardio, his training, um, even the skills, like defensively, he's just too reckless for me. And I think a guy like Randy Brown can capitalize, um, and and potentially get him out of there. Now, it's not my favorite spot for for DraftKings, but I, I do like Randy Brown in the matchup. And I think that it's always sneaky when you can get a guy that's you know below nine thousand that could potentially pop for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of those guys that you have to look at in terms of ownership of ultimately where he. Comes in at, um, and if he's got low ownership, that's I think Randy Brown is potentially. I mean, how many times do you sit on the show and say, "Hey, look in the middle range, look underneath that nine thousand. Who is that? You know, eighty four hundred to eighty eight hundred fighter that's not going to be owned that really can be a leverage spot for you."
2: Yeah, I, I think anytime when you're under that nine thousand range, that's where you should start to look of how can you get different from the field or who's going overlooked. Like. I believe it was Austin Hubbard last week, like, was in a sneaky spot and came through, and he did well. And uh, a guy like Abdul Razak Al Hassan, who was priced up more than he was, you know, he busted. So, uh, where is he at in his career right now? It's pretty, like, quite the fall of a career. But, uh, you know, this can't week, I, it, I can't stop a takedown. Awesome. I know. But he can't even, he can't stay on the feet now either, you know, like, because you're worried about him getting knocked out. It's just, there's so many question marks and volatility uh, surrounding him.
1: And you talk about this all the time of, of why MMA DFS is a tough sport cool. is because just one little thing changes the fight. You know, there's you, you can talk about the analytical side of DFS. Like we talk about the analytical side of other sports. What makes it tough about MMA is one takedown, one knockdown can change anything and maybe it's something that happened in a previous fight. I mean, y- you look at what what has Al Hassan been able to do since getting knocked out by Chaos Williams.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a big, big fall in his career. And then you also, you know, take into consideration injuries that happen. You know, some some crazy situations like last week with the Jeremy Stevens-Drakkar close, that fight getting scratched. But I would say the number one uh, tilting thing about MMA DFS has to be the judging, right? Like, you, you can have a fighter that should win the fight, or if they got the victory, like, say, Alex Munoz last week. It was a tough fight, but I, I think that he solidified some rounds with some takedowns. If he got that W, he would have had a great score. Um, but, yeah, you know, MMA judging makes it difficult.
1: Next up, we got Dwight against Stefan. Dwight Grant, 9200 over on DraftKings. $20 over on Fando, a 220 betting favorite if I can talk right betting favorite uh, what's your take on this one Pete yeah you know
2: um I'm not too interested in Dwight Grant uh he's coming off a knockout loss uh to Daniel Rodriguez obviously um but there's question marks surrounding uh Sekulich as well from a PED suspension um you know I, I'm always interested when I see a fighter from that region coming into the UFC because I, I know the background that they have um I I know that Know, whether they're from Serbia or Dagestan, that they bring a different type of MMA game to the octagon. Um, and if you don't have good training partners that can replicate it in the you know in the training room, it's tough to prepare for. And I will say that uh, Sekulic, he has a ton of finishes via punches, um, also has a sneaky ground game as well where he hunts for a lot of guillotine jokes. Um, I, I like him everywhere. I really do, outside of a big shot from Dwight Grant. I think that Sekulic, as long as – most of his career wasn't due to being on PEDs. I think he's an interesting GPP target to look at, to circle. Um, I, I think that he could be going completely overlooked. 7,000. I kind of like him.
1: Yeah, I can't see myself having a lot of Dwight Grant. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it, it's it's a high price tag. You got to pay, but you bring up a great point with Stefan. You know, last time he fought was 2018, had the PED suspension. What does he look like? Um, you know, and and maybe, you know, maybe with a little bit of unknowns there to go in there. Of course, got a ton of other fights to still break down here. Of course, uh, when you're looking for the betting odds, you got to check out Odd Shopper at awesomo.com. Of course, one of the biggest edges you can get in sports betting is always shopping to find the best line so you gotta do that over there at oddshopper.com whether you're looking for the straight up money line on the fight or maybe you look to play some of those props as i always try to mention some of those props that are looking there be sure to check out over at oddshopper.awesomo.com where we compile the best bets available for game lines player props player and team futures all updated in real time, so be sure to check out uh, that over there at oddshopper.awesomo.com. Next up, we got uh, the next fight is, I think, another critical fight in terms of GPPs. I'm glad you agree with me, Pete. I'm glad you agree with me. Uh, that would be Brandon Allen and Carl Roberson. Uh, Carl, 7,800. Brandon is 8,400. This is one of these matchups where I wonder, could we see an early takedown? and a submission by Brennan Allen.
2: Yeah, right. So like this, this entire card, I think, is going to you know depend a lot on recency bias. Um, and I think that's something each week that we can really use to our advantage of who's going overlooked or who is going you know potentially overvalued in the spot. And I will say that Brennan Allen against uh, Carl Roberson is a fight that I will prioritize for a lot of my lineups. Now, Brennan Allen coming off a knockout loss, TKO loss to, to Sean Strickland, um, was getting pieced up throughout it. And obviously his path to victory over Carl Roberson is to, you know, eliminate the threat on the feet by taking him down, exposing him on the ground. And with his ground game and his suffocating pressure and relentless submission attack, I like Brennan Allen, but guess what? He's coming off a knockout loss against an accredited K one striker. And Carl Roberson, who is a dangerous threat, man. Like I, you guys know, I don't like backing a fighter coming off a knockout loss never mind when they're going up against, you know, a very, very powerful striker in Carl Roberson. Um, and Roberson has a decent decent ground game, but not defensive grappling. He's good offensively. He put Marvin Vittori in a, in a, in a sticky, sticky situation was able to, you know, potentially threaten with a rear naked choke. But for me, I will be splitting exposure in this matchup. I will favor Carl Roberson just so slightly because of the knockout power. Fight starts on the feet. He's a big, strong guy. If he can defend maybe the lethargic takedowns of Brennan Allen, I think he could work towards TKO.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.
1: Next up, we got Pat Sabatini making his UFC debut. Of course, that UFC debut was supposed to take place earlier this year, but his opponent missed weight. Takes on Tristan Connolly. Of course, Tristan Connolly, a guy that we hit on, uh, was it, last year? Uh, mm-hmm. when He uh, got that win on Michelle Pahaya. Uh He is coming back from an injury. That's why he's been on the sideline here. What's your take, man?
2: Yeah, you know, fighting fighting each other, uh, Pat Sabatini and Tristan Connolly, I think it's an interesting matchup, but really not a, a fight that I will be prioritizing based on the toughness of each of these guys, uh, the grappling of each of these guys. Um, I do like Pat Sabatini. I think that he has a nice, well-rounded skill set, um, probably the better striking of the two, and I will give him the edge in the grappling as well, even though Tristan Connolly's is no, no slouch, can win rounds. Um, he had better fight IQ than uh michelle pahaya did in that fight and that's how he was able to get the victory but i do feel like maybe that's kind of inflating his stock so to speak i think that you know a guy like pat sabatini who comes out of henzo gracie philly will be well prepared and uh has all the skills to get a victory here i favor pat sabatini
1: next up we have got uh Don Bagaroy, I'll take it on Kevin nativad 8,500 and 7,700 respectively in this one. Is this a fight we need to be targeting? It's a sneaky fight, right?
2: Because Kevin Natividad is coming off a knockout defeat, right? A bad one, like a really bad one. And you guys know I don't like targeting fighters coming off of that. But I can't I can't forget about the camp and his game. Like he comes from a very, very strong camp camp. Um, and if he goes the grappling and the takedown well, I think that he can make this fight interesting. Now going against the Naabakari, he's a, a fighter out of Jackson Wink. Has, you know, has nice hands, some dynamite in his hands. So he could easily knock out Kevin Natividad. I will be splitting exposure here, but to get an underdog with a path to victory, seventy-seven hundred Kevin Natividad, you have my attention because I think that. He understands, hey, I'm just coming off a knock at the feet. I got to be careful in here. I got to work at takedowns. Um, if he stands and strikes against the not Bakary, I probably would favor Bakary there. But I, I will say that Natividad's a nice underdog that I will be targeting. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised that I even like him here, but I do.
1: Now, the first three fights of this car, I feel like these are fights you got to be really diving deep on with the three Chinese fighters. So let's first talk off about the matchup between Vargas and Zhu here. Uh, Zhu making his UFC debut, uh, when you look at the his strength of schedule, so he's coming off a win in January, opponent was 9-7 and for that, 17-5, 0-4, 10-9, and 18-5, 0-1. So it's kind of a, a back and forth in terms of strength of schedule. What have you found on tape?
2: Uh, I will say that he's a very aggressive fighter, and that's why you see a ton of finishes for uh, Rujong here. Um, you know, it's. I- I'm not too impressed with uh, Rodrigo Vargas at all. Like, he's pretty slow on the feet, um, you know, with takedowns as well. Like, he just seems to be there. He's just present, and he doesn't really threaten too, too much. Um, uh, regionally, he does have some finishes. So, obviously, you always have to look at that and take those into consideration. But a guy like Rong Zhu, I feel like it's just going to have an answer for him. Um, 17 and three fighter. I'm interested to see these fighters coming from the, the PI, like obviously they're probably going to be in great shape, but how is their tra- training regimen? Like, were they able to be surrounded by talented training partners or did they have minimal training partners? We won't really know that until, you know, the fights pop off, but I, I like Ru Zhang here. I think that he's the a side of the fight and, uh, this is a low-level opponent in the UFC, Rodrigo Vargas.
1: Do you want to pay the, pay the 9100 price tag, though?
2: It's hard, right? Like, I will have some of him because of just the amount of lineups I will be playing. But with the other title fights, it makes roster construction very difficult. So, like, it, you're going to have to have only two, maybe only one of them. And you have to pick the correct one.
1: Uh, the second fight of the night has a fighter that I'm very familiar with, and Jeffrey Molina trains out of Glory MMA Fitness there uh, in Lee, Missouri, uh, taking on Aurora here. So this is your 8,208,000 matchup. Tell me a little bit about this Chinese fighter. Yeah, so,
2: um, you know, Aori Keylang against Jeff Molina. Molina is a fighter out of uh, James Krause's gym, which I think is interesting. Obviously, it's a hot gym. And uh, whenever you're out of glory, you have our attention, right? Like we always back those fighters, but I, I will say that, you know, he's a good striker, um, solid grappler as well, but Aoriki Lang seems like he has the power advantage on the feet. Whereas I will say that Jeff Molina is more of a volume guy, pitter patter, touch you, overwhelm you with volume, uh, work towards a decision. I like Aoriki Lang as far as like getting a finish, it's just these guys, it's a well-matched fight where I feel like they're both able to test each other in both departments, grappling, striking. Um, it's, it's hard for me to really put a stamp on who I like, but I do think that uh, Aoriki Lang could get it done based on the power and potentially hurting him on the feet. I understand Jeff Molina looked great on the contender series, but uh, I have to side with you know, Aori Key Lang just slightly.
1: Then in the opening matchup of the night, uh, Na Liang fifteen and four, but straight the schedule a little, uh, you know, little suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's I'm not too
2: impressed. I'm impressed with uh, Liang Na, but I don't like this matchup for her against Carnolosi. Uh, Carnalosi. Reason I don't like the matchup for her in this match in, in this fight against Ariane Carnolosi is because Carnolosi is just not a striker, right? She just got a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. She's very talented. She has a lot of submission grappling experience. And, you know, Liang Na, outside of an armbar from guard or just, you know, flying armbar, flying submission, I don't really see how she's going to win rounds against Ariana Carnalosi. And I think Carnalosi is kind of sneaky, Jason, because, um, you know, I, I think she's going to maybe work towards finishing her. Um, you know, Carnalosi is a very, very powerful fighter. And uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see this matchup. I don't hate you if uh, if you want to target Liang, but eight thousand six hundred Carnalosi could be one of the sneakiest plays on the entire slate.
1: Yeah, my, minus two twenty betting favor in that one. Uh, let's let's go through our our fight our straight up fight picks, not DFS related, just straight up fight picks. Let's start right with the title fights: Kamar Usman, Jorge Masvidal. I'm going Usman. I'm going to Usman as well. Uh, Wiley Zhang and Rose Namajunas. I am going Namajunas. Give me the champion. Okay. Okay. Shevchenko versus Andrade. Give me the champ. Yeah, Shevchenko for me. I feel. I feel like I'm. It's not the smartest thing for me to pick the three champions because I feel like the likelihood is at least one belt changes hands. Yeah,
2: I mean, initially I liked all three, but I after watching tape and trying to get different, I, I do like
1: Rose Yunus. Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman. Uriah Hall. I'm going to go. I thought you might go Chris Weidman. Yeah, Hell. give me Hall. Uh, give me Jimmy Crude against uh, Anthony Smith.
2: Yeah, Jimmy Crude for me as well.
1: Uh, I will go Randy Brown. Randy Brown. Uh, Dwight Grant as a uh, two to one betting favorite. I'll take him. Give me Uh I do like Brennan Allen against Carl Roberson. I think, he, I think he goes the takedown route.
2: I love Brennan Allen. But I think I'm going Carl Roberson.
1: I was waiting for the butt. I, I could just, yeah. like, it's since it's coming. It's since it's yeah. coming here. Uh, give me past Sabatini against Tristan Connor. I like Sabatini's,
2: you know, prospect a lot within the division.
1: Uh, what, what do you got in the next one? Uh, I'm guessing you're, are you going to go with a favorite, uh, uh, Beth Gary?:
2: Yeah, I like Baccaro, Bacare- but, like, Kevin Natividad has my attention for DFS purposes. But as far as straight-up picks, you know,
1: I, I like Baccarel. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, any chance you're gonna take Vargas? I'm gonna say no based on what he said a little earlier. Yeah, not really. I, I like Rongju quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, Molina and Aori. I'm gonna go Molina. Gotta go with my guy there.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go Aori Key Lang. And uh, I'm gonna go Ariana in the opening. Ariana Carnalosi, sneaky, sneaky spot right there.
1: Yeah, I uh, mentioned uh, we got a super chat a little earlier from Samuel. I know he couldn't uh, stick around his show, but. So he's going to watch us after the fact? Uh, so let's let's just start uh, top two cash.
2: I think top two cash would be easy, right? You go Shevchenko and Usman, but have literally no salary left. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's probably yeah. what I would
2: say.
1: Yeah, uh, top two GPP. Is, uh, Usman's got to be number one. He has the highest ceiling. Yeah, exactly. that, that's I why
2: might I might say, say Shevchenko number two.
1: Uh, MVP and champion, um, in terms of the fan duel side of the equation, I think it, it kind of goes to what we said there before. Um, I think Kamaru Usman, um, maybe a sneaky champion is who you think is going to win in that, in that co-main event.
2: I like it. I like the thinking there. I'm telling you, I think Rose Yunus gets takedowns.
1: Uh, top inside the distance. Um, I would Ooh. look at, I would look at I I look at Brennan Allen would be one that I would look at. I would look um, at either one of them. I don't I think Usman Masall goes a distance. I think Zhang Yunus goes the distance. I do think Shevchenko stops on at some point.
2: Really? Yes. I would say that I think the Brennan Allen Carl Robinson fight that one's probably going to end. Um, I kind of like Randy Brown being finished too to be honest. Okay
1: who will break the slate
2: Somebody we're not talking about that's who's gonna break the slate Well um, I mean I
1: think I think first off you have to look at the 300 dogs in okay. in the title fights because even if one of them win and they score let's say 80 points, the reality is they're gonna probably gonna be off of the ball
2: 100% yeah and if you're on the wrong side of that or say you roster too many favorites on a card like this, it's hard to roster so many favorites on the card like this. But initially, I didn't like too many underdogs. Um, you're going to have to get different in this card, I'm telling you.
1: Uh, based on ownership, some sleeper picks. Uh, I think a sleeper pick, uh, I will mention uh, Randy Brown.
2: I like Randy Brown. I like Ariana Carter quite a bit.
1: Uriah Hall is another interesting in terms of ownership. Ooh, I like or because
2: CNA. Listen, people are desperate for a notable name within the 7K range to get them points, especially being a grappler.
1: Uh, do you have two favorite locks?
2: Yeah, come your favorite on. favorite word. Yeah, I don't say that word, guys. Come on. I don't say that word. Um, I will say I really, really, really like Randy Brown. And Ariana CarneLosi.
1: All right. All right. Uh, what is your favorite underdog for GPP?
2: Well, favorite underdog for GPP, right? Let's think. Let me rank this by salary. Um, I would probably say that Jessica Andrade has the most potential as an underdog based on her volume, her takedowns, her aggressiveness, her power, and her price. She's the cheapest on the slate. Probably going to get beat from pillar to post but she has some of the most potential on the slate at her price.
1: Yeah. But, uh, of course, we'll be back on Saturday live before lock to answer your questions. Dan mentioned Weidman possibly sneaky to me. I would agree with that one. Weidman could be a sneaky one if he can, if he can utilize the takedown aspect. I think if it's on the feet, I think it could be a very long night for Chris Weidman. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, yeah, so I, I'm interested to see these fights go down. I hope that, fingers crossed, we keep all the fights. Um, if you guys really enjoyed our show, we appreciate you a lot. Just hit that like button for us. Try to get us to 100 likes. I really appreciate it. I forgot to ask the last time. But, uh, yeah, you guys got to do me that favor, and uh, we'll be back next time to uh, talk about you know this card once again.
1: And don't forget, uh, free premium data and tools on the site here today is MMA Fighter Ranking, so you can check that out. Also, be sure to take advantage of that promo we got going on. Half off, Osmo Plus MMA Monthly, $14.98. Take advantage of that deal, of course. Be sure to subscribe to Osmo to get all the great content we have here. And, of course, you'll get me and Pete tomorrow as we're going to be breaking down the Monkey Knife Fight Player So, Be sure to check out that. 1 p.m. Eastern time is when that will debut tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. So that is going to do it for this edition of the also MMA DFS strategy show. And we'll be here all week getting you ready for Saturday's UFC 261. Good night, everyone.